WNRI's Upfront. The opinions expressed represent those only of the panel and callers and do not reflect the views of WNRI and its owners. Telephone lines are now open at 7690600. And now, let's join the Upfront panel. Hi, everybody, and welcome to the Upfront program for this um, Thursday morning. And I would say, uh, so there are 52 weeks to a year, I'd say maybe 48 out of the 52, maybe even 49. Christopher Boulay is with us, and this is one of those 49 out of 52s. He's here in studio. Hello, Mr. Boulay. How are you doing today? Good morning, Raj. Good morning, listeners. It's wonderful to be here. Nice to have you along with us. We've got a lot of topics to talk about. Uh, first topic, however, uh, John Chan sent me a little note, um, and we just want to mention, uh, well, first of all, it's a great restaurant, uh, and it's the home of uh, egg rolls and jazz and blues, and um, also uh, a lot of, um, shall we say, pre-show uh, dinner opportunities. And uh, uh, let me tell you something, uh, that um, there's a very uh, uh, very popular New England-based comedian by the name of uh, Bob Molly coming to the stadium tonight. And, um, and that show is at 7.30. So John says, happy spring, and we invite you to spring over to Chan's before uh, tonight's uh, comedy show with Bob Molly. And enjoy uh, some of our uh, great, uh, great food. And uh, they, um, they have um, their egg foo young. I love it. Uh, with uh, sometimes I have it with the gravy. Sometimes, sometimes not. It's a great dish. And uh, also, um, they have um, the, the best egg rolls around. And spring rolls, very tasty. Poo poo platter, extremely popular. And uh, and also um, they have a combination plate menu that uh, that a lot of people order from. Or you can have uh, chef specials. We're Chan's, and where do you find us? At 267 Main Street. And again, we'll be open after 3 o'clock this afternoon for uh, those who might be coming to the show tonight down the street to see Bob Molly. And we've been happy to accommodate you in our dining room at Chan's of Woonsocket. All right, we'll get to um, other advertisements later in the program, but we got topics uh, to um, to announce. Like uh, today, I know you're so excited. First day of baseball at Fenway Park, and uh, <laughs> but I didn't see that in your list of topics that you sent me uh, as uh, top priority. Um, are you going to the game? No, I'm not. Do you have a ticket to any game this year? Uh, n- no, I will probably go to one, especially especially if my brother Kenny comes up uh, uh, from California. He loves like, the Red Sox. All right. I just feel like a hypocrite because they finished in last place two of the last three years. Yes, that's nice. And I'm only going to watch them if they win about 105 games, maybe more. Uh-huh. Well, so, we, we all like winners. Yes, yeah, so I really don't care. Do you remember, was it Mayo Menino who went crazy um, so I think it was the first year the Red Sox won the World Series. That would have been 2004. Mm-hmm. So the normal ticket prices, or excuse me, the normal parking prices were about $30 to park a car. Yeah. And they were charging $100 uh, per car. 
So Mayor Menino went crazy saying they're gouging, but he didn't have the audacity to ask, you know, about the Red Sox who are charging $400 for a, a freaking <laughs> ticket. You know? So the, it's how stupid that was that he was upset that they were charging higher prices, but the Red Sox can charge whatever they want. And he doesn't say anything about that or did not at the time. I had no intention of le- actually leading off with this as a... Uh as a topic, but I just wanted to um, see if there is a correlation between losing teams and losing superstars on teams like the Red Sox and the Patriots have done and empty seats. So the question is, is it easy to get uh, seats and are they a lot less expensive for Patriots and Red Sox games? Do the two go hand in hand and the opposite for Bruins games right now? Well, it was the old joke in the 80s when uh, the Patriots were doing poorly, you would leave two Patriot tickets on your windshield and you'd come back and there were four. Um, But the Patriots have actually had a sellout since 1994. Mm -hmm. So the Red Sox had about 550 games in a row, I believe, were sellouts. And then as they started to losing, they were a problem. we have friends who have season tickets at the Bruins, and they're expensive, and they're hard to get, too. I think the Bruins have had sellouts. I should not be able to tell this off the top of my head, but I think the 17,510 people can fit at the Garden for the Bruins, and they're also sold out. Mm-hmm. I think I'm going to turn this, always have to turn this into numbers. I, I think the issue that we're going to have is now that they have this millionaire tax in, in uh, Massachusetts, I think um, agents are going to start bringing that to players' attention. Say, do you really want to go to Massachusetts where you're going to be paying a 4% higher amount uh, based on your taxes? But California has the same issue, even worse, and they're still attracting people. But, no, all three teams do pretty well, and then we've got to throw the Celtics in there. We'll have zero interest in, and I think they're doing well with all. Being a very small city compared to New York City, I think there's 10 million people in New York City. We've got a bunch of teams, all four Red Sox, all four um, sport teams in Massachusetts and Boston area seem to be doing well financially and also attracting, um, you know, fans and, um, you know, players. We'll see what happens with the Red Sox, but they could really go 162-0 and and I probably wouldn't care. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to the Upfront Program. We have a lot of topics to talk about. On the other hand, we invite you to call us and introduce the topic that you may want to discuss or you may want to comment on. So let me uh, give you the telephone number, 7690600. Really, it's the only number you need. We often say 7661380, but if 7690600 is busy uh, with a caller, it goes over to that other line anyway. So one phone number is enough. And it will work, 7690600, if you'd like to call. Then, on the other hand, you may want to send us a communication via email, upfront at WNRI.com. That's upfront at WNRI.com. Looking at the list of topics uh, that uh, you um, you sent along to me, uh, I don't know where to begin, but because... Uh, I am so polite and had good upbringing. I'm going to let you select the first topic at least to introduce to our audience. I I did allude to that maybe Boston has an issue with New York City being uh, feeling uh, inferior. But Rhode Island has the same thing with Massachusetts and with Connecticut. So you think, oh, we're small, we don't really matter. But I think we found out that 
our governor is so sharp and he's going to win the Nobel Prize in economics. Um, I sent you an article, and I know you talked about it the other day, that he's very upset that rising interest rates are slowing down economic development, and he's writing a letter to the uh, Federal Reserve. I think that's the silliest thing I've ever seen. Um, there's so many different audiences that the Federal Reserve's got to please. It's not going to be the governor of Rhode Island. And for him to comment on that, and we can talk about these individual projects, how, you know, government has gotten away in Woonsocket and Providence and what have you, but for the governor to, to go out and say that, when in fact Gary Sass, in the article that I sent to you this morning that you probably referenced, he's saying that the governor is, is crazy because it's actually um, government spending that's creating inflation. So, he, the governor is saying that inflation's, I'm, excuse me, higher interest rates are hurting uh, the average person. They're all going to be unemployed. Well, I uh, had to go to Providence Place Mall um, yesterday. Was it yesterday? Yeah, I think it was yesterday. And I stopped at Johnny Rockets for a cheeseburger, fries, and Coke, which were all fantastic. Before a tip, it was $21. Really? So, yes. <laughs> that was, and it, it was great, but uh, that's just showing you when inflation is happening. So the governor is so out of his lane having this discussion publicly and saying he's going to send a letter to the Federal Reserve. Um, it, it just... Oh, man, that, that's what we have as a governor. It, it doesn't surprise me. It disappoints me more than anything. For another 10 bucks, you could have gone to Flemings and had, <laughs> I mean, had a, a, I mean, a real burger over yes. there, right? <laughs> and a lot more uh, atmosphere, that's for sure. Hey, if you'd like to uh, comment on any topic that uh, we want to talk about, uh, please feel free to uh, do so. No question about it. Uh, talk show hosts uh, yesterday, Providence and Woonsocket, we're on the governor uh, for having the uh, well. First of all, writing to um, writing to the Federal Reserve, <laughs> so maybe, and not writing to Joe Biden. You know, uh, writing to the Federal Reserve and and telling them uh, that uh, their national plan, which in, which affects international markets, is not good for Rhode Island. Right, and uh, and his three three baby projects that he's. Uh, that he wants to nurse along, and I, I, I think he's asking the Federal Reserve to reverse policy so that these projects in Rhode Island can move forward. Uh, I don't think that was too bright. Don't, don't you think he? Don't, didn't you expect him to be smarter than that? Yes. You know, yeah. it's it's. It was so disappointing. This is what we have for a governor that he actually feels that he can affect policy change by the Federal Reserve, and and again as. as Gary Sass pointed out, we were pointing out, I don't know if anyone else pointed it out, it's actually extensive government spending under the Biden administration that's in cause inflation. So it, it just it really makes him look stupid. Um, very, very disappointing that, that he's our governor. All right. One of our listeners, uh, one of our regulars uh, would like to check in and uh, comment on something. So uh, what would you like to comment on today, sir? Roger. Good morning. Good morning, Chris. Good morning. Um... The company I work for, I, I repair used test equipment, and we sell it, and sometimes it gets sold in Europe. Now, I don't expect to make a change, and I certainly don't represent the company, but as a private citizen, I actually wrote the European Union, and they actually sent me back a response with a case number. And basically, I've noticed, and I checked out, there's an entire cottage industry of laws and lawyers and offices that are set up. So that we can sell product in Europe that qualifies for their new upcoming ESG laws. 
And my question was, well, you know, I don't know right now if you're actually buying oil and gas, natural gas from Russia, but you have been and you will be. You're certainly buying products from China. And I know where they tell you where you can go with your ESG from those countries. So why do you expect America to put up with your ESG? And I'm telling all my colleagues and everybody else that I work with is I got a product for sale in, in Europe. If it doesn't meet your ESG standards, I don't care. If you don't want it, we'll sell it somewhere else. Yeah, and, you know, it was so disappointing that Biden uh, vetoed and he was going to the ESG standards. Um, I don't particularly have a huge issue with ESG if that's what you want. And I've talked about it before. I've had the pleasure of work now and in the past with Catholic institutions who who wanted to protect the, their investments and didn't want to be in certain things of artifacts, nuclear power, nuclear weapons, all that stuff. And that's their choice as a private citizen. But when you get down to, you know, IRAs and people's savings and telling them that companies and mutual fund managers and money managers have to adhere to that, it's very, very discouraging. So, yeah, it's, it's a direction that's, that's going in a way and they're using it, you know, they're ripping off your arms and beating you to death with them. It's, it's just very, very bad policy. And here's, here's the problem I've got is, like I said, Europe is willing to tell us to go ESG, but, you know, the Russians aren't going to do that, the Chinese aren't going to do that, and the Europeans are still going to take their products. So they're a bunch of hypocrites, and quite frankly, I'm sick of the whole thing. And, and no bank is going to tell me, I'm not going to do business with a bank that in some day tells me, you can't buy a car because it runs on gasoline. You can't buy a house because it has a gas hookup. You know what? As far as I'm concerned, the, the I mean... I had one bank tell me my girlfriend who had Alzheimer's had to be put away because, hey, the bank thinks they're God. Well, you know what? I don't have a need for that, and I'm actively seeking a credit union that doesn't have ESG, and I'm getting out of my bank. Yeah, vote, uh, elect I, elections matter, and the sir. fact that we ha we push back on the, the, the stove issue for a gas stove thing. So thanks for the call. Appreciate, have a great one. Appreciate it. All right. Changing credit unions, huh? Uh, the some people are serious about it. I do know one thing. Uh, if uh, somebody were managing my money, I guess maybe I don't have a social conscience. I would just say, Chris, uh, can get the best re return on my investment for me. And um, uh, I guess, uh, but that's me privately. But then when you're doing it for all the citizens of the state of Rhode Island, should you bring in less money in, in the end because of uh, social justice? Uh, maybe you should. I don't know. Uh, but that seems to be what some uh, money managers on the state level, treasurer's level, are doing. They, 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 they're, they're really showing it. And again, uh, ESG, I'm very experienced with it. Would you, if, uh, would you uh, give those letters uh, a, 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 a ESG? Uh, what, is it, what does that mean? I know what an MRI is. <laughs> or do I? And I know what the FCC is, um, and I know what NBC is, and CNN. Well, anyway, uh, what does that stand for? Yeah, en environmental, social, and governance. So you take a company, and they get a score, and it, the score it, that doesn't make any sense to me. It, it's 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 kind of being abused. So it's S in the middle, right? So yes. it's environmental. Uh, are you a good steward of of the environment? Uh -huh. And by definition. 
oil companies are supposedly not, but it's okay to be an electric company and dig up the Congo uh, for lithium. You know, it doesn't make any sense, like the caller said. Social is, is just being socially aware. And that means different things to different people. Um, so we, we could go off on a tangent on that. And then governmental is, is, is uh, you know, your, your thoughts about, you know, working w within the confines of, of that issue. So it's, it's, it's governance, I should say. Like, do you have enough people uh, of diversity on your board? And we talked about this in Germany. Um, you have to have so many women on the board, not just the most qualified people. And I've gone through a litany of women who are more than qualified to be on many boards, um, and we should use the merit system. So that's really what it comes down to. And there are companies that are very large that are using that to ch make socially aware investing to change our economy and change the way we do business and the way we live and say to these companies, unless you do this, this, and this, we're not going to invest in you. And they tend to use other people's money to do that. So it, <laughs> I think it, it's very, very wrong in, in, in many ways. And at its core, they're not doing the right things, in my personal opinion, that they're overdoing it. And again, I've had 25 years experience with ESG and if you're a, a Catholic institution and you don't want to support abortive facts and nuclear power and nuclear weapons and, and tobacco and so on and so forth, that's your issue. Going back to the other uh, the caller's point, we had uh, as Mr. Conley from Bullseye. We had him years ago, and the banks were telling him because his company sells uh, guns that they weren't going to do business with them. That is morally uh, bankrupt, in my, in my opinion. That's morally wrong, pun, pun not intended. They should not be able to do that. If it's a legal thing, they should not be able to say, you can't do this, you can't do that. And, right. The yeah. same should apply to liquor stores, too. Yeah. And to convenience stores that sell tobacco and, mm -hmm. and to any legal product that uh, may do harm to somebody in, in the end. Or in car dealers, for that matter. Nobody should... <laughs> should be able to sell a car that could uh, hit and run a person on a highway. Especially a 1979 Pinto. You can't we, have that. We got it. All right, Chris. We're uh, on the Upfront program, and we have uh, one more call in this uh, segment. Let's see what uh, you have to say on this Thursday morning. What's your topic? Good morning, man. Good morning. My topic this morning is uh, I think somebody ought to tell our governor that the Fed and the central banks around the world are in charge. And they call the shots. So that's number one. I don't think uh, any governor or mayor is going to dictate to the central banks and the Fed. Yes. Number two, Brazil uh, has just uh, made a deal with China that they're going to be changing their currency. They're no longer to be no longer going to be using uh, greenbacks. They're going to be paying with the new China currency. I wonder how that's going to settle with the Fed. Um, Social Security uh, in the last couple of years has lost its value by about 20, uh, 20 to 25% per year through inflation. Uh, the new uh, problems with the banking community and their investments um, is probably going to finish us off in the next two years so uh, there's a lot of things that uh, also your paycheck when you get your paycheck at the end of the week even though you've got a hefty raise uh, that means that reinsures uh, that inflation is definitely going to be going up because uh, people are giving their employees uh, large raises 
to keep up with inflation, that automatically means that the government, both state and federal, are getting an increase in their income taxes. Well, you're giving us three topics, uh, China currency, Social Security, inflation. I want to dig a little bit deeper with Mr. Boulay and see if uh, we can uh, get a little more information. Appreciate the call. Thank you. Thank you so much. All right. What about, I didn't know uh, that uh, the Chinese currency uh, could be um, more popular than the U.S. dollar. But uh, is that what he's uh, suggesting uh, the Chinese are trying to do, uh, uh, make our dollar less, uh, shall we say, internationally used? Well, China is definitely trying to do that. So the U.S. dollar is, is still the world's currency. So so commodities, gold and oil, for example, um, are, actually, are, are, are priced in U.S. dollars. Yeah. So one concern that people have with the neocons who really want to punish Russia is that they're forcing Russia to go closer to China and the fact that China wants to replace United States is, is the world currency. So Brazil and China did strike a deal. It was announced within hours ago that they, the agreement to ditch the U.S. dollar. So I think the rest of the world is watching. Brazil has got the largest economy in, in Latin America. It's always been a good trading partner with the U.S. Um, they had a uh, Bonacero, very conservative. They called him the Trump of, of Latin America. He got bumped out. So we'll see. What happens with the uh, Brazil economy with this happening? Is it going to get weaker because the yuan is behind it as opposed to U.S. dollar? And I think the entire world is watching that. And if, if um, Brazil trips economically, then I think it's going to be a great thing for America. Um, regarding the governor, I think it was okay for the governor to say, you know, higher interest rates are hurting hurting us right now, but to go off on a tangent and and, and, and be the purveyor of, of uh, inflation with the Biden administration uh, is really, really stupid. We've identified that. And uh, I don't know what his third one was. Well, I'll, I'll, uh, well yeah. I, I got him here. Yeah. Back to the Chinese currency, though. Is, is it a, um, a a possible threat? Or, as you just said when you were talking about it, we're watching it. But uh, you, on the other hand, you didn't seem to be shaking uh, in your seat over there uh, about this. Well, I guess I only shake in my seat of things I can do things about. <laughs> but right. but there, there's no question uh -huh. that China is trying to mm -hmm. uh, take over the world as far as, re, you know, having their currency replace the U.S. dollar. Um, and the entire world, in my opinion, is, is watching to see what happens here. And I think if Brazil stumbles, that will give people pause mm -hmm. to, to, to do this. Might even strengthen the dollar. Huh? <laughs> there's, there's, there's no question about it. Uh -huh. And you'll see when there's, there's economic crisis around the world people flood to the mm -hmm. best credit in the world which is still the u.s dollar therefore our u.s treasury rates go down his second topic was social security and and i guess my uh, question uh, to help frame a discussion about social security is uh you deal with retirees and people who are going to get social security and um or are getting it and uh, so uh, what's your latest take on the social security system when you sit across from an older guy like me you probably would say uh don't worry about it roger but what what happens to the 50 year old trying to uh plan a strategic retirement well we always go back to i always go back to the basics when social security was passed you're supposed to start collecting your first check at age 65 and mortality table said you were going to die in your first payment now they've extended it. So my full retirement is 66 and eight months. So if they make any changes, I feel strongly that 
the Republicans and the conservatives are finally going to give in and they're going to raise FICA, you know, up to $400,000. So right now, if you make over $160,000 a year, they stop taking money out of your check for Social Security. So there's about 15, it's growing. It might be 15 or 17 million people in America who W-2 a lot more than that. So that's one way of solving it. Um, I think anybody who is AIDS... 60 and older has nothing to worry about for Social Security. So in 2034, I believe it is, if they don't hit their goals, they're going to cut everything by 75%. So that's really our, our drop dead date. I think what they're going to do is they're going to raise uh, retirement ages for younger people. That's just going to have to. You know, if you look at the obituaries, you've got people 99, 100, 105 years old passing away. Those people have been collecting Social Security for 30 years. Mm-hmm. The biggest problem that they have with Social Security is in the Clinton administration, they, they grabbed all the money and they gave an IOU. So right now, a and I sent you the interest rates. I look at them every day. Right now, the 10-year Treasury is under 4%. If they were even to get an average of 5 to 6%, Six and a half percent, like a pension plan, in Social Security, we'd have money for the next hundred years. The fact that you're investing in IOUs and you're getting the U.S. Treasury rate is really killing Social Security. Because if it was managed like the Rhode Island pension plan, we'd have so so much more money to help out Social Security. But that money's never that money's gone, so that can never happen. So I, I hope those explain it. But anybody. 60 years old, in my personal opinion, has nothing to worry about cutting Social Security by the government. So when do we hit the brick wall in Social Security? Five years, 10 years, 12 years? Uh, well, it's, it's 2034. Mm-hmm. Is, it's in the law right now, which will never happen because their the, the voting rate of, of senior citizens is about 100%. Um, but at 2034, I believe, everything goes down 75%. So if you're collecting, you know, you know, 2005. Uh, 2001? Uh, 2034. Yeah. So they'll have to solve it. And they'll have to solve it by raising taxes, which I just alluded to. You know, we had Cicilline here, and that was his, his pet project was to raise it to $400,000. He pushed that every year. Eventually, it's going to t- take on. But again, if, if I can digress for a second, the Social Security FICA rates and the Social Security cost of living increase both went up at the same rate. So... I mean, I've been working for a long time. I remember it was like $70,000 for FICA. Now it's 160000 So they just captured another, um, another you know, $12,000 $12, of, of, um, of income that's actually being taxed. But the only way to really fix it, in my personal opinion, is, is, and do the right thing, is make uh, full retirement closer to 70. And I think that's what you're going to have happen. And this third topic was uh, uh, the general topic of inflation. And if uh, one of your clients calls you and says, uh, oh, what do you think of inflation? <laughs> That's a broad, uh, broad topic. Uh, but, uh, but is it here or is it around the corner? Uh, or have we been experiencing it for over a year and we just don't even know it? Well, we, we haven't experienced it for over a year. I, I'm pretty sure the latest numbers were year over year. In February, inflation went up 6%. So... It's a problem, and I don't know if I got to this last two weeks ago, but FDIC insurance is capped at $250,000, and that was done in, in 2007, was the last time it was increased. If you were to adjust it for inflation, it'd be $348,000. So inflation is certainly there, but we've had ebbs and flows of inflation back in the late 70s, 
Um, remember, um, even before that, Whip Inflation Now. Remember the buttons for Jerry Ford when, when Whip Inflation Now? No, we've had it worse. Um, it's going to have ebbs and flows, and I think eventually this excess money will, will work itself out of the system. But if we uh, elect another crazy Democrat in 2024 who wants to spend another $6 trillion that we don't have, then inflation is going to continue. But this is government created, overdone by paying people to stay home and for paying projects that, that weren't going to be built otherwise um, like the Fane project, they, they, you know, it was actually the province city council got in the way of that. Um, the soccer field, that's going to be financed by government money. So the, there's a lot of inflation there. It's been, but it'll work itself out. And, and finally, I sent you some numbers on, on, on the Fed funds rate. Yep. They're, they're, they're under historical levels. So, again, we've got a governor who doesn't know what he's talking about. Sandra LaFrance on the subject of inflation writes to us. Good morning, Roger and Chris. Thank you, Chris, for your spot-on summary of Mini Biden, Governor McKee. Look up the word inflation and you'll see photos of Joe and Dan. Just when I thought uh, China Joe couldn't get any worse, I witnessed his first response to the Nashville shootings. Joe joked about who he is and what flavor of ice cream he likes. Shameful in my view. All he is good for is eating ice cream and lying to Americans. Have a great day, Sandra LaFrance. It's break time, but um, um, one of the news stories I read this morning is, um, good morning, it's WNRI News and uh, our candidate for the day, meaning that uh, we have at least one candidate a day in the past uh, 10 days news cycle for the first congressional race, and... Um, when we get back from our break, we'll find out whether Chris Boulay is running. It's back. <laughs> the Grafton Flea Market welcomes spring and reopens for another season of buying and selling opportunities for you. Located just north of Milford on Route 140 at the Upton Grafton Town Line. The Grafton Flea Market opens for vendors and buyers this Sunday morning with free parking. Indoor and outdoor dealers with surprises they've saved for you to check out this Sunday. The Grafton Flea Market, in operation for over 40 years. See pictures and more details at graftonflea.com. My name is Daniel Keith, and I am seeking to be elected to the Blackstone Board of Selectmen. I have previously served on the Water Sewer Commission, the Regional Wastewater Commission, Capital Outlay Committee, BMR Regional Agreement Committee, and the Board of Selectmen from 2015 to 2021. In the past two years, I've worked cooperatively with the Memorial Day Committee and the Parks and Recs Commission to successfully create the Veterans Day celebration held at Roosevelt Park. I am also currently a member of the Blackstone Millville Regional School District School Committee, as well as the Chairman of the Board of Directors for the Blackstone Valley Boys and Girls Club. Over the past two years, I have watched the town and the taxpayers' expenses increase with almost no new sources of revenue being generated. During my time as a selectman, I worked closely with other boards and commissions in a cooperative effort. We were able to bring online five solar fields, two cannabis dispensaries, and negotiate a 10-year agreement with our power plant, generating millions of dollars of revenue to offset the tax burden in our community. With major proposals on the horizon, such as potential purchase of St. Teresa's Church, the feasibility study and potential renovations within our school district and the funding for our water treatment facility, we are in need of additional revenue. Otherwise, the bulk of the burden will be placed back on the taxpayers. I humbly ask for your vote to work on your behalf and keep Blackstone affordable for all. Thank you. Daniel P. Keefe, candidate for Blackstone Board of Selectmen. Election held April 3rd, 2023. Paid for Dan Keefe.
The go-to place for authentic Italian dining is Savini's Pomodoro Italian Kitchen and Bar. Over 20 Italian dishes made to order from our menu or experience our Sicilian-style pizza. Build your own while you choose from your veggies, meats, and cheeses. And, of course, our traditional family-style chicken dinner is offered every day. Savini's Pomodoro on Rathbun Street with affordable accommodations for weddings, birthdays, anniversaries, and business meetings. Close Mondays open Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday at 4, Friday, Saturdays, and Sundays at noon. For reservations, call 762-5114. That's 762-5114. Savini's Pomodoro Italian Kitchen and Bar, 476 Rathbun Street, Woonsocket. Inviting you to join us at our family-owned businesses, Savini's or Ciro's. Perfect for any event. Spring is here, and Beelus now has pansies, azaleas, Johnny Jump Ups safe for planting now. Easter is coming soon, so come in to see our great selection of plants, Easter lilies, tulips, daffodils, hyacinths, hydrangeas, and much more. Arrangements, cut flower bouquets, and floral wraps for your convenience. Assorted cards, stuffed animals, and much, much more. Stop in and check us out at 665 Diamond Hill Road, One Socket, and the phone number you can reach us is 766-3165. On that Savini's ad, just want to remind you, they're open for lunch today. Lunch at noontime at Savini's Pomodoro. Thank you. You're listening to WNRI's Upfront, a radio internet talk show. Now, let's get back to the panel. Roger and Chris on the radio on our Thursday edition. And we're uh, jumping all over with a bunch of topics. You're always welcome to call at 769-0600. Yes, um, as I like to do, I like to do a shout out to my new friend, Jonathan P., who moved to East Greenwich from Nebraska. And he said that you and I would be very popular in Nebraska re- with our conservative views. Oh, okay. <laughs> so if we ever want to move to Nebraska and uh, have more, even more listeners, we'll be uh, welcome there. All right. That sounds good. What else? Um, I want to talk about, I guess this gives me um, f- more fear that the Democrats and Republicans will come together and, and um, you know, raise uh, rates for Social Security and what, ha- what they have to do and not do the right thing. But uh, Elizabeth Warren, a Democrat, and Josh Hawley, a Republican conservative, teaming up to put the heat on executives of failed banks. So they're proposing that there's a five-year clawback on executive bank pay for any bank that fails. Um, so if you're you know, getting paid five years and, you, and the bank fails, uh, the government could go back five years and grab all the money. It sounds a little unconstitutional, but what about, I guess I would support it if we have the same law to grab back all the political contrib- uh, contributions from stupid uh, politicians. It, it's just really, really stupid. We have Dodd-Frank in place. Um, so, to me, it's unconstitutional, and to me, it's scary because the Democrats and have just worn down the Republicans when somebody like Josh Hawley will support this. And again, I'm not here supporting um, incompetence, but are you going to get anybody to want to work in a bank uh, and, and lead a bank when the government can go back five years and grab all the money? Mm-hmm. Um, let's, if we're going to do that, let's put a, a, a law that we can grab back all of the salary and all the political contributions that a senator or congressman have received uh, if they pass stupid laws that deemed by somebody else. Just a very discouraging, and um, I don't know if it has any traction, the fact that it's a Democrat-Republican. Um, it's just a feel-good, overreaction thing, and we can talk about Silicon Bank. It was The regulators were all over it, based on what I'm hearing. They told the bank not to do it. The bank did it. Fine. 
Um, but to um, go after everybody, um, I, I don't see it as, a, as an issue uh, that I'd want to pursue. And if there's an issue you'd like to uh, pursue, you're welcome to uh, give us a call, 769-0600-766-1380. And um, I just wanted to uh, throw uh, just uh, one question out to you on the first congressional race. Not so much who do you support or so forth, but what so many Democrats in a primary uh, and a small group of, uh, of Democrats who would attract a Hispanic uh, constituency... And then a small group that would uh, attract a northern Rhode Island constituency like uh, the Pawtucket mayor or Steve Casey, who has uh, been mentioned, and Lisa Baldelli. I mean, will Democrats be able to actually launch a a recognizable candidate to be on their ticket, which would normally be able to sweep right into office? And are the Republicans thinking about this? This might be an opportunity when... uh, you end up with um, uh, a candidate who could be nominated in the primary to be on the ballot, and you don't even know how to how to pronounce their name as a Democrat. Any thoughts? Well, t- thinking about the Republicans, they really got burnt when Colonel uh, um, Dougherty ran against uh, Cicilline. That he actually we had him here, and he laughed, and they called me a, a young gun, but I'm in my fifties, um, and that turned out to be uh, an issue where they put money that they didn't really have. They wanted, they probably wanted to put it elsewhere. But I think the whole thing is going to be decided in Providence. Um, Providence is, is very um, populous, and I think that's where the candidate's going to come out of, and that's where the support's going to be. So I don't feel real good about anybody from Northern Ireland unless they get that Providence support. And they're only going to get that Providence support if they're very liberal, and if they're very liberal, they're probably not going to do that great of a job. And then the, the $64 million question is nobody's talking about is the Cicilline come out and endorse somebody. That's, that's really, I think, has a, has a big play. Somebody's got to go kiss his ring and get that support. And I think anybody who has no name recognition but voted for Cicilline or has fa- positive feelings about Cicilline, I think he won almost by two-thirds, I think it was two-thirds to a third, Um, that's really that nobody's talking about. And it's kind of early, but that's where he'll have a lot of political power. And then what he'll probably do, if he was smart, is he'll say to that person, you've got to make sure you support the Rhode Island Foundation for my support. And And this is how you do it. I've been in Congress for 10 years now, and this is what you do. So that's how I feel, and anyone who doesn't have that touch there uh, is not going to be a viable candidate, in my opinion. All right, thank you. Uh, I have a couple of uh, things I want to uh, ask you. Presidential election, the presidential election cycle is here. I mean, uh, there's people are talking about um, the election. I, so here's my question, though. I'm, I'm jumping ahead. Because... Um, Trump is so far ahead in terms of popularity, according to the polls, he could be the Republican nominee, whether whether Republicans like him or not. There are some Republicans that don't want to see him on the ballot. So I guess my question is, if he did get on the ballot as a Republican nominee, and if that guy Joe Biden, with that track record or lack of a track record that he hasn't accomplished, I guess you could say, is on the ballot? Could Trump win? <laughs> you, you know, 
The, Could Trump win? I, I don't understand how Trump, you know, can't control himself with this whole indictment thing. There's so many ways that he could have used it for his political uh, favor, as opposed to saying there's going to be bloodshed in the streets if I get indicted. It's probably yeah. not the thing you want to say when your enemies can point you that way. Yeah. Biden, you know, I've gone back, and I hate to admit this, I've gone back and I've watched at least one of the uh, debates. And I know they propped up um, Biden. It'd be very difficult to for him to really debate it where, the way he is right now, the way he's speaking, his lack of cognitive skill. Um, I, I think it's going to be a problem. And how we got through those debates is beyond me. But everything that Trump said during those debates about Biden ended up being true. And we'll see where the Facebook and Twitter and all of these things go out of their way. But such a heartbreaking thing for Biden to get in and, and really hurt the country the way he's hurting. Um, I think there's a lot of people who might say themselves, what percentage, this is my idea, my thought, what percentage of people are going to say, I hate Trump, but Biden is dangerous even more so. We had four years of peace and prosperity under Trump. He has spending his entire adult life looking at this and he fixed the problems that he saw. And then you've got Biden who's just I'm going to fix the problems, even though I've been in, in Washington for 50 years. We've got tapes on YouTube and elsewhere of Biden saying one thing and doing another. Whatever you say about Trump, he's pretty consistent. Yes, he can win. And I, the, the Democrats have a real problem because Biden's only going to get worse in terms of his, his, um, his thoughts and his, his, his ability to express himself. All right. So he could win. <laughs> oh yeah, and then the, the the real the real question is if if the re, the real thing that would be helpful and I, and I forget how old Ron DeSantis is. I think he's in his early fifties, but a Trump DeSantis ticket, I think, would be really really good. And but I think there'd be two eagles that would clash. Yeah. Um. In a, in a in a very big way, Mike Pence. Uh, has a much more demure personality, although he might put his hat in the ring. But I think if the Republicans really wanted to win, Trump DeSantis ticket would, would would be very very difficult for the Democrats to beat. Right, but on the other hand, very uh, unreasonably. Uh, to think that it could actually happen, right? Right. Well, Miles, we'll figure that Tom Brady's going to return and become the Patriot quarterback, yeah, right? That's a good point, right? <laughs> right, right? Good point, good point, good point. This is the Upfront program on WNRI. We're jumping on a whole bunch of uh, topics uh, today. And um, at the end of the program, uh, don't forget to test me on uh, ESG and see if I can remember what it is, um, <laughs> like my doctor does. Uh, trying to test to see if uh, your memory uh, can uh, sustain, uh, you know, 30 or 40 minutes of, uh, of time and then uh, come back with the, uh, with the right answer. We'll see at the end of the program. And uh, we would like to uh, hear from you well, one way or the other if you would like to participate. Um, on the other hand, we have uh, plenty of uh, topics uh, out there, uh, and uh, the um, inflation topic uh, that uh, Sandra brought up and our first caller on the program brought up, uh, it's all tied to, according to my guest who is here on Tuesday, according to um, Stephen Pryor, who is the housing secretary, could have been our general treasurer if uh, voters knew what they were doing in the polls, uh, but they didn't. 
And so we uh, have a general treasurer. I, can, I shouldn't criticize him because I may want to ask him to come to the program. And, and uh, this program is monitored by individuals. And, uh, and what they do is say, um, uh, Bouchard is always friendly. And uh, he's uh, easy interview. He's soft on politicians. And we know that because John Dion says it on his show about him. <laughs> what you when's, when's the last politician uh, of note that John's had on the show? <laughs> Good point. Anyway, um, uh, you're welcome to join us and, uh, and, and talk about either. Well, anyway, what Mr. Pryor was saying is he's tying in uh, the um, interest rates to, um, uh, to the, the, the interest rates to the projects that are uh, not... Uh, being able to fulfill their ambitions in Rhode Island, like uh, Tidewater, and and also uh, like uh, the Superman building, uh, maybe uh, having uh, some uh, issues and so forth. Do you do you uh, do you make that that necessary uh, connection? And and could you see construction across the country uh, starting to slow down because not only supply uh, issues, but uh, these two things colliding with each other? Oh, the, there's no question that raising interest rates is designed to slow down economic activity. Let's let's kind of simplify this. Say the uh, the the um, the ta- Zane, uh, main tower. I'm, I'm fain trying, tower. Fain, fain, just, Forty-six yeah. floors that ain't gonna happen. Okay, so say say the Fane tower is is going on construction, and then say the Superman building is being redone, and say one sixty-two Main Street and Woonsocket is being redone, and and on and on, and now the soccer field is being redone. That, that's an inflationary thing because you, now you have more construction workers having to, to do different things. Some states are better than others. Uh, last year, I think it was August, uh, Amy and I went to see, um, I don't know if I want to admit this on the air, Lady Gaga, but we, were, we went to see it. You and did. It, it, was, it was fine. Uh-huh. But we're, we're, at, we're, at a, um, uh, we're at a hotel overlooking uh, the skyline of, um, of Boston, and I'm counting 12 cranes. From, from one side to the other. Uh-huh. So there's construction being done there. But it, going back to my example, if those um, construction things are going on, it's inflationary. You've got to pay more money to get these workers who can't be two places at once. So it, higher interest rates is designed to, to do that, to slow down the economy. Having said that, higher interest rates or interest rates in general is the ultimate zero-sum game. How do you like to be a retiree with a million dollars in uh, your your investments, and instead of earning fifty thousand dollars a year, you're earning three thousand dollars a year or ten thousand dollars a year? That, that's a problem. So interest rates are the ultimate zero sum game. Is that if you are borrowing money, you don't like high interest rates. If you're lending it out to the banks, you like higher interest rates. So those are things that I think um, our governor fails to, to grasp. Um, and I know his mom lives with him, and his mom must have money in the bank and trying to do well as, as well. So um, it, it's, it's designed to do that. When your livelihood and your, your desire to see growth in, in, in your community, in your state, is being mitigated by these issues, the higher interest rates, of course you're going to have a problem with it. You know, what he said I, I thought was silly. Now I have an... Uh, I mean, this question is coming from out of uh, out of space. You're going to say, but uh, it was an interesting discussion, and I think um, I think I would like your opinion, and and some of our listeners might share it. So I was listening to uh, uh, WPRO talk show yesterday, and uh, the talk show host uh, take a, took a call, and this guy called in, and he said, um, 
Uh, I am never going to, um, well, he said, based on the current conditions, I am uh, buying a car for $35,000, and I'm going to take the um, interest deal offered by the manufacturer, and I'm leaving the $35,000 that I have in the bank, and even even with the low bank rates that are going on right now, you know, these uh, uh, certificates of deposit, he said, I'm going to come out ahead by using their money, manufacturer's money, in buying this $35,000 car. Then, um, then, he says, and I used to take, go in there and say, and I'm going to give you cash. He said, but I'm going to leave my cash uh, in a uh, CD or something like that. Uh, and she said, that makes sense. Does that make sense to you? It, it sure does. Um, you, if can, very wealthy people tend to borrow a lot. So if you take a person, like, let's take an extreme example, like an Elon Musk. If he wants to buy artwork or buy an apartment, he's most likely borrowing against his stock at a very, very low rate. He doesn't want to sell the stock if he doesn't have to. Um, the dealership doesn't really care who writes the check. Right. And that's the fallacy. They either comes from, the, from their, their financing arm or it comes from... Um, you. They're still going to get the money, right? They're still going to get the money. Yeah. What you want to just be careful of is, is, is there a difference? In, in other words, are they giving you a higher sale price closer to list because you're taking the financing? And you have to ask that by asking a couple of different questions. And simpler question is, do I get a better deal if, um, if I'm paying cash? Because if they're, I don't know if it was 0%, but say it's 0%, that no, no corporation's cost of capital is at 0%. So in order to give you a 0%, they have to um, have a, a cost of capital, whatever it is. The larger the company, the more well-capitalized it is, the lower that cost is. But that, that's money that they're basically giving to their dealership to sell the vehicle. But all things being equal, I think it's a very smart idea to keep your money invested in earning if you're getting, say, you know, a lower interest rate from, um, fr from, from the dealership through their financing arm. I apologize for listening to another station, but I thought it was an interesting call and I think uh, maybe a good tip for somebody who's uh, ready to invest uh, $40,000 um, and, um, and they don't want to spend more money than, than they have to. Thank you for answering that question. Well, Christopher Boulay, you have to look at your list and at least uh, maybe bring up the topic before we have to go to uh, Bye Bye Land because uh, Sheldon in the City radio program is going to follow in a few minutes. But well, what do you want to talk about? Well, two, two quick things. Uh, a shout out to John Brand and I think also for Bob Phillips and other folks who are looking to put in a sales tax holiday calling it Christmas in July. Um, any politician that wants to raise taxes or do something in Rhode Island says we have to be competitive with nearby Massachusetts and to a less extent Connecticut. Uh, we are doing that right now through this proposal. It scares me, though. I'm sure some senator, maybe in your district, maybe in another district, is going to go on the floor and say, if we give a sales tax holiday to the working people, we may not be able to give all the free money we want to people who don't work. Mm -hmm. But I, I, I applaud John for putting that forward. Um, we have to compete with Massachusetts. And then the only other thing quickly is we talk about presidential election cycles. And I just wanted to bring to the listeners' attention, who they, a lot of people probably know this, but past performance is no guarantee of future return. But the third year of a presidential cycle when we're in, the stock market tends to be very good because the Biden administration wants what every administration wants, a second term. So very quickly... The first year after an election, the market's up around 7%. Second year, around 
fourth year around 7%, and the third year around 16%. Past performance is no guarantee, but the people in power are trying to create an environment so they get reelected. Sometimes the stock market looks at that very favorably. Thanks for being with us today on My the pleasure. Pro- program. And uh, we'll be back uh, tomorrow. However, uh, we'll be back with John Brian. And uh, Dick will be here on Monday, and I'll be here on Tuesday. All right, uh, new sponsor. Welcome, Martell Plumbing and Heating. One of Rhode Island's oldest family-owned and operated plumbing and heating companies. Since 1926, Martell Plumbing and Heating has been serving Rhode Island and Southern Massachusetts. Martell Plumbing and Heating prides himself on customer service, quality workmanship, and neatness. Give us a call for any and all of your plumbing, heating, and cooling needs. Call 401-265-4325 and say hello to owner Jim Martell today.